Welcome to Dad Up, the podcast show for dads about dads being dads. I'm your host, Brian Ward. Thank you for listening. If you're new to the show, I hope you enjoy listening. Please make sure you subscribe so you don't miss anything. My guest today on Dad Up is Armando Montalongo. Armando starred on A&E's Flip This House, as well as Undercover Boss. He is a real estate investor, author, and educator. He has spent the last decade teaching his system to hundreds of thousands of people, both online and in person, through his various seminars. Once at over $50,000 in debt as a new father and living in his in-law's garage, he knew he had to find a way to be the provider for his family. Within one year after deciding to take on house flipping, he made his first million dollars. Three years later, he made over $3 million in his house flipping system. Armando speaks the truth about the challenges of raising four boys while trying to run his companies. Please pay close attention as he speaks to the difficulties he faced when he became a dad for the first time. Please welcome Armando Montalongo to Dad Up. Hey, uh, thank you very much for joining me on Dad Up today. I appreciate it. Oh, you're very, very welcome. Well, I know you're super busy, so I don't want to take a whole lot of your time, but I just want to uh, kind of get to know you as a dad a little bit. But just starting off, if, you know, some of my listeners that may not know who you are, if you can kind of just tell me a little bit about yourself, what are your, about your history, your backstory, kind of your testimony, and uh, also how many kids you have. <laughs> okay. Um, so my name is Armando Montalongo, and I uh, am most well known for doing the television show Flip This House on A&E, which was kind of the house flipping show that kind of started the whole genre of house flipping and kind of kicked off house flipping. Um, I've been blessed enough to go out there and do uh, television shows like Undercover Boss. Um, and I'm a real estate investor, but I think that um, the part that really impacts most of, about being a father is that when my wife at the time gave birth to my son, Mondo Man, the doctors literally cut her the wrong way. And she almost lost, she lost about half the blood in her body in about 20 minutes. And I remember her face was white and her lips were blue. And as the doctors wheeled her off to the emergency room, the doctor literally says, Armando, be prepared to say goodbye because she may not live past the next 24 hours. And as they brought her in for, uh, after surgery and she was in the critical care unit, I'm sitting there next to my wife and the nurse comes rushing in. She says, Ms. Montalongo, we have a problem. Now, you know there's a problem when your spouse is in the intensive care unit and they tell you that you have a bigger problem. Right. And we were in Upland, California, and they took my son from Upland, California, down to Children's of L.A. by ambulance. And I remember at that moment, I had a decision. Do I, do I go down there with my son? Do I stay here with my wife? And I remember my father all the time says, he told me in Spanish, he goes, Mijo, he, he goes, you stay, you just go with your baby. We'll stay with ours. And I go down to the emergency room. The doctor says, uh, Mr. Montalongo, because your son has 8,000 platelets. And the platelets are what makes the blood coagulate to prevent you from bleeding to death. The average healthy human has 300,000 platelets. He says, Armando, be prepared to say goodbye because your son, Monoman, may not live past the next 24 hours. And so I was told on the exact same day that the two people that I cared about the most in this world at that time may not live past the next 24 hours. Um, and that was my introduction into be a dad. <laughs> that was my introduction into the father. I they spent the next two and a half months in separate hospitals and intensive care units. And about two and a half months later, they both got out 
right on about almost the exact same time. And so they moved back to our little condominium up in California. And I didn't have any money at the time, but I spent the next six months nursing them back to health. And we lost everything. We lost um, our condominium. You know, my credit went to heck. And I remember we had to move into my in-law's garage. It wasn't a converted garage. It was move over the lawnmower, move over the weed eater, put the TV, you know, put the TV up, put the bed down, and throw the clothes in the corner. And so, at that time, we were about fifty thousand dollars in debt. We were living in a garage on food stamps. And I remember after several months looking at my little son, Monda Man, and I thought, you know, one day he's going to look at me and he's going to see what kind of dad I am. Like I'll always be his dad. I'll always be his coach. But he's been another difference that I'm like a financial winner, a financial loser. And that's when I went on my track of learning real estate. And that's, you know, changed my life. That's what I'm most um, well known for. But now I have, so him and his mom are real healthy. Now I have four boys. So he is now 21 years old. Um, wow. And it's really great. It's funny because he's really awesome at real estate. It's really great. He just he put the house for the day and we had like $20,000 on it. And so I'm, so delighted and proud of him. I have an eight-year-old, excuse me, he's nine. He just turned nine. We just had all the birthdays happen. So I have a nine-year-old boy. I have a six-year-old boy and I have a three-year-old boy. So um, I have one adult and three little guys. Well, well, that's, that's quite a, uh, quite a story and, a, and a, quite a welcoming into fatherhood. Um, <laughs> now kind of, kind of backing up a little bit with Mondo is, you know, with the stuff that he went through uh, as mm-hmm. as an infant, is there any um, uh, has there been any long term side effects or anything that he's had to struggle with? What he had to struggle with, um, it took about it takes about six months to clear out the blood system for an infant. Then once the child adopts their own uh, immune system, the challenge he had um, goes away. So once we get past that six month mark, he was good. So okay. fortunately, so that was great. Cool. Um, cool. Yeah. Well, I'm glad everything everything worked out, and uh, sounds Thank like he's, he's following in your footsteps and getting in the real estate business. Very cool. Thank you. Thank you. Um, he's he's six four now, and everyone knows oh, well. he's, bigger, he's, <laughs> he's bigger than me, and he's healthy and he's great. Yeah, it's good. Thank you for asking. <laughs> yeah, he, I have uh, I have two boys myself. Uh, my youngest is 18. Uh, right. He's a senior. He's a senior in high school. And actually, it's funny you said Upland, California. That's where mm-hmm. he goes to school. He goes to a school called oh. Western Western Christian High uh-huh. School in Upland, California, right on 9th and Euclid there. And I, that's um, where I live. I lived on 9th and Euclid. Oh, right really? <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's where he's at. Um, so anyways, he, yeah, he's 18 and graduating here in a few months. And, um, yeah. and then my, my oldest is 21 and mm-hmm. he is a junior in college at Grand Canyon university. So he wanted, he wants to be an entrepreneur as well. Uh, he doesn't know quite what he wants to do yet, but he's, He's doing entrepreneurial study at uh, Grand Canyon University, so um, nice. he said that he still got some time to figure it out. But um, kind of segueing into real estate, just a tad. How did you decide to kind of go that route? You know, you're you're, you're kind of struggling. You had some things not going mm-hmm. your way financially. Uh, what made you pick real estate? Well, what happened? I I, I just kind of looked around. I was like, okay, what do I have? No, what do I know how to do? And the answer was nothing. Um, I, you know, I tried selling cars and that didn't work out because I was way too honest. So I've done a car a lot and somebody goes, Armando, can I buy that car cheaper somewhere else? And I go, probably my manager saw me and he fired me. Right. So, um, 
I sold two cars in two months, both to the same guy. Um, <laughs> I tried um, being selling water filters. I tried being a pizza delivery guy, and they wouldn't hire me. Literally, tried to be pizza, and uh, and I won't tell you the name of the pizza company, Brian, but. I will tell you that it had a domino effect on my life, right? So, <laughs> so um, but I, I, thought, I thought real estate and I thought, you know what? It's tangible, so I can see it, feel it, touch it, which means it's going to be understandable. Right. So there's got to be a way to be able to buy a house or a building. Like somebody's doing it, there's got to be a way to do it, right? So if it's tangible and I can touch it, see it, feel it, and it's understandable then it has to be duplicatable, which means I could go out there and I, I could go do it. Right? right. And so I, I met, I met a guy, I met a man who was a very wealthy guy, literally stumbled across him, And he began to teach me real estate. And I moved, he, he literally told me, I'm on the union from California to Texas. Well, actually the first thing that happened is he gave me an opportunity to buy a deal, a really smoke a deal in Corona, California. Um, and I didn't do it. Okay. And I lost out on the potential of over a million dollars on that all after I didn't do it. So I listened to friends, I listened to family, I listened to myself because everyone's like, well, it's such a good deal. Why isn't he doing it? And I just realized like skepticism is so prevalent in our life. And I didn't do it. And he literally goes, yeah, Armando, the difference in the average person and multimillionaire is all millionaires take action now. That's it. And that's rain true with me since that day. So I, I literally begged the guy, take me back, take me back. He's like, you know, why would I want to work with you? I, I Turned you on to a great deal, and you literally rejected it. Like, you're just going to be one of those people who, who talk but don't do anything. So I, I went, I begged him, and I, I proved myself to the guy. He told me to move to Texas because um, there was a big opportunity. So I moved to Texas, and I literally, the tagline of our show says, we rolled into town on our last tank of gas, which is absolutely true. So we rolled into town. We were in a rider truck. Outside of San Antonio, about 30 minutes is the hill country. And so we coasted into town. Mm-hmm. Where we put the, coach, coach, the truck in a neutral. Um, we sold our furniture for food. We had, we had gotten an apartment complex. Got an apartment that gave us like two and a half months of free rent. They were in a special. And um, we sold our furniture for food. And I get here and I open the San Antonio Express News. On the first page, it says housing depreciating by 40% overnight. Then I'm watching Oprah at three because I don't have a job, so I'm watching Oprah at three o'clock. Right. And she has all the experts on there talking about how mold in Texas is affecting people and housing prices are going down. I call my mentor and I'm freaked out and I'm kind of pissed. I'm like, I moved across the country. I bought a thousand dollars for my dad, who you know, and like housing is appreciated by forty percent overnight because of this mold thing. I was upset, like as if I knew what I was talking about and I didn't. And he goes. Armando, because that is the opportunity. And so when everyone was kind of running out of the market, he had me running the market. And I made I made a million dollars my first year. I made three million in three years. And then my fifth year in real estate, AME came and they asked us if we want to do a house flipping show. So we did they can't actually send a producer down and we did it. Um, we were kind of fun, kind of crazy. And so we got a we got a TV show. From there, and then I got to follow my real passion. Because my real passion wasn't actually doing TV. My, I, I did TV for the whole purpose that I wanted to teach people how to be successful. Because it was so painful for me. Like being poor 
and not so, so here's what here's what I and I, I talk to when I do like seminars and events, I tell like the latest ladies I don't mean to like I said, I don't mean disrespect, be disrespectful at all, but I'm going to tell you what it's like from a man's point of view. My wife and son in the hospital was really tough. I said, but once they were healthy, do you know what was even tougher? Not being able to support my son. Right. Not being able to, and then looking at my father-in-law at the time and going, I'm not, I know I'm not taking care of your daughter. I know I'm not taking care of your grandson. Like that emotionally is devastating for a man. And so that was extremely difficult. That was extreme. Like I was really depressed one time. Just really, really depressed. Really, probably not a very pleasant person to be around. So, but so my whole goal was I just want to teach. I listen. I was inside the road outside Phoenix, Arizona, when we had that rider truck, right? So we stayed in this little twenty-five dollar a night roach motel, and it was like six o'clock in the morning. And I remember we were staying outside the rider, my wife and I. The sky, the sun's coming up. The sky's gray, and I, I'm crying from the bottom of my belly. I'm like. Mr. told me to go move across the country. I said, I bought a thousand dollars for my dad. We don't like I have a job, we don't have any money. I'm gonna do this business I don't know like much about. And I'm crying from my bottom of my belly. And I just said, if I ever learn how to be successful, I will share it with the world. So I, I had this one student, his name's Gerald, and he's a pastor years later. And he goes, Armando, I think the reason why you're successful is because of that moment in the prayer. You call it a promise, but that's called a prayer. Right. Wow. And so so we get the TV show, we flip this house, and I tell the story of being on food stamps on TV to an intern. Well, the show airs three months later, that episode. And a day later, my wife was in, reads me 10,000 emails, and like puts them on my desk. But boom. I said, what's this? And she goes, it's your promise. I go, what promise? She says, that if you ever learn to be successful, you'll share it with the world. Oh, my God, I forgot. Because I forgot my promise. Mm-hmm. So that's when I started the seminar business and began teaching people. And that was my passion. Like I wanted to help people. You know, I want to help people. And you you forget it. Like when you start doing TV, you like think, oh, like I'm a really great person. I must be really smart and interesting, right? Right. But but the the reality is I don't feel like people feeling like I felt, um, especially dads, to feel like or any parent really, to feel like they're not supporting that child. You know, that depends upon us for everything. Um, and so that was my motivating factor. The TV show was simply a, a turbo boost way to go out there and yeah, teach people what I'm passionate about. Right. Yeah, there's a vehicle for it. And a lot of people are like, why, why, why don't you do all the real estate deals? Why, don't, why, why do you teach people how to do it? It's impossible to do them all. Mm-hmm. Like it, you know, there's over 200,000 houses every year that are flipped in America, not including hundreds of thousands of rentals. It's impossible, right? And so I have somebody teach me, so I teach people. That's what I do. And I teach my kids. Like, I don't care what it's about. But he's, like, I, I love, like, mentoring my boys, right? So I want to mentor all my boys to have a money mindset. You know, we're, we're, real, good as, we're real good as parents. But we teach our children, believe this way about God, or believe in this God, or believe in this religion, right? Or believe in this political party. So we, we really, like... We really drown them in, in a series of beliefs to guide those direction of beliefs that we believe are best. And by the way, that's good, right or wrong, that's good parenting that we're actually mm-hmm. extending love. Studies have shown that if you put a lot of thought into your child's name, they'll feel more loved. So the more unique name, the children will feel really loved, right? Right. Well, why don't we put that level of thought into their financial outcome? Because that's going to dictate a lot of their happiness in life, right? Yep. So... 
people say, well, money doesn't buy you happiness, but, but being stressed out at the end of the month doesn't buy you happiness either. Right. And right. Um, and so, for, so for instance, when I walk into the house, even my three-year-old, our stairs probably look like Mount Everest because you're little, you're three, a real short little guy, right? Um, he's probably not going to be six four like my oldest. Okay, he's a little bitty guy, and it's like take your shoes to your room, go put them away. After dinner, you can clean your plates. Okay, so we've been very blessed now that we, you know, we have chefs and people who cook for us and clean and stuff, but they have to clean it after themselves, right? Because those people they work for me, they don't work for them. Right. Um, they have to. You know, my son, mom, and man, he's been to dinner with many people who have who've been very, very like blessed and wealthy in their life. And that kind of guides. So I don't want to, I'm not going to give my boys the world, but I will mentor them in a way that they understand about money and philosophy. You know, I'm from the South, so I make them open doors for women. They hate that. By the way, little boys hate that. Little boys hate opening doors for women. My son, Mama Man, when he was four, I was like, open the door for ladies. I tell him, ladies first. He goes, no. I go, open the door for the ladies. No. Open the door for the ladies. And say, ladies first. He'll go, very begrudgingly. Ladies first, right? <laughs> but now, he's a total gentleman. He'll you know, somebody get the groceries out of their car or whatnot. Right. And I, I believe that gives them a leg up in life. Right. So mentoring them, I'm really big on mentoring them on manners and money. Because I think that's a big deal. Expand those beliefs about that. So. Absolutely. Oh, that's cool. Well, thank, that's that's awesome. Well said. Well said. Now, what I know you've got you've got gosh you've got four kids so and you've got a wide spectrum so you've got the oldest that's kind of kind of doing his own thing now with you mm-hmm. and then you got the three young ones that are that are still kind of learning. But what do you enjoy? What do you enjoy most, or what do you enjoy most about being a dad? So. This last summer, I, it was about 9 o'clock in the evening, and I came pulling into the driveway from work. And so I'm currently not married, so I have the boys during a certain time during the summer, right? Right. And I see these three little guys. Uh, my oldest son has dark hair. My three little ones have blonde hair, right? So I have these three little blondes. And they are, which is hilarious when we walk into a restaurant because I right. have a, a very dark hair, right? <laughs> right. And so, but they've all been paternity tested, so they're mine. No, I'm totally kidding. No, but um, <laughs> <laughs> no, so I have these three little boys, right? And um, they're looking at me. It's nine o'clock, and they're waiting for Daddy to come in the driveway. And the lights at the glass door, and they're standing there. Now, how long they're standing there, I don't know. But I thought at that moment, I realized. Everything I've been looking for out here has been right in there this entire time. Exactly. So money, adulation, pain, whatever it is, everything I was looking for out here, I've been I've had right in this house, which is immense amount of love. And I think I was a pretty good dad before that time period. I recommitted myself at that moment. So I take my boys to school. Um, I'm up with them, you know, so I'm already up at six when I get up, I eat breakfast with them. I'm the one who gets them ready for school. So though I have, I've had a nannies in the past and, um, have nannies, like I'm the one who's heavily involved in doing those things. I'm getting ready for school. I take them to school, um, after this podcast, an hour later, I'll go pick them up from school. So I spend quite a bit of time. We spend reading time together. 
uh, by no means do I think I'm a perfect dad. Um, I'm not always patient, though I work hard on exhibiting patience. So I think that's what I love is I love the unconditional love that they have. That's my number one. Um, they're like puppies. They really have right. unconditional love, right? Uh, number two, I love guiding them. And I love growing them into good men. I'm very proud of my oldest son. He's a good man. That's what I hear about him from all the time. The biggest compliment is he's a good man. He's a good dude. Um, and so guiding these little guys into good men, I think that that's, that's really my main mission in life. And it always has been, even before. When I first got into business, that was my whole reason for getting into business. I don't want my kids to see me broken like a loser, you know? Right. So I think my main mission is, is to be a good dad. But I also want to do it by leading by example, by running a, a successful business, you know, by being determined when things aren't right, by treating the mother as well, you know? Um, those things matter. Now, with, when it comes to uh, uh, your oldest Mondo man, does he, uh, is he kind of, he's a big brother to the little guys, but they probably look at it and had him as kind of a father figure as well, right? I mean, he's, he's kind of old, he's much older than them, so. <laughs> well, you would think so. All right, you would think so. First of all, I have to say Mondo man has a giant heart and is just beyond welcoming to the boys. Okay, just beyond welcoming and kind-hearted to the boys. The, you know, the second thing is, um, it's interesting because I got, I'm, we were at the office one night last year and we worked late. We did a webinar late at night and we do it to this network of investors that we taught, right? So we, we're at 10, 11 o'clock at night and the office staff is, no, it's about 10 o'clock at night. And I get a call and I go, hello. And hello. He goes, hey, he goes, hey, dad. I go, yeah. He goes, can you talk to Max and Titan? Now that's my nine and six year old with the time eight and five. He goes, can you talk to, can you, can you talk to, excuse me, I apologize. It was two years ago. So they were seven and four, seven and four. Can you talk to Max and Titan? I said, why was going on? I goes, I was taking a shower and they're supposed to be in bed. And <laughs> he goes, and I have soap in my eyes and they waited till I had shampoo. So they would tune They wait till I was shampooing my hair. My eyes were closed. And they snuck into the bathroom and they started throwing fire trucks at me and cars at me and started, they threw toilet paper in there. He goes, and they're throwing things at me while I'm washing. So I'm not quite sure about the father figure thing. I think they see him as an older brother. He's kind of a, um, somebody they feel like they can pick on at times, you know, because he's such a good guy. But he also, he'll be firm with them too. And he'll definitely give them guidance and discipline when I'm not around. So they have a great relationship. And then they'll be like, when's Mono Man coming over? Because he doesn't live with it. He's grown now, you know. Right. When's Mono Man coming over? We miss them. We love them. We miss them. So they actually, right. though their age difference is quite wide, are very, very close. <laughs> that's cool. That's, that's a funny story. <laughs> uh, that's cool. What, uh, now, you're busy, so I'm sure one of the challenges of being a dad is, is all the things you have going on outside of the, of the home. Um, mm-hmm. But aside from that, what kind of challenges do you face? Um, you know, I think that as, as men, one of the greatest challenges we face is patience. You know, we're not as nurturing. Uh, we can sit here and go, oh, we're, we're great parents or we're great parents and those of us put a lot of effort in. But we're not nearly as nurturing as a caring mother on our best day. Like we can't give the comfort of uh, when they're sick as a caring mother can. We can do the best we can. And so I think exhibiting patience and the child's like worst moment. So I learned a really good lesson recently. My six-year-old had scraped his knee, and he was crying. And I was like, come on, bud. I was like, you got, come on, toughen up. I'm like, you're okay. You're okay, toughen up. And somebody told me, when you're really hurt, 
how do you like being told tough enough to stop crying? I was like, ah, I, 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 I don't like it. They said, so how is he any different? So once you just tried comforting him, mm. okay? And I think that was a great lesson that was learned um, because when I thought I was exhibiting patience, I wasn't really put myself in their in their shoes. Now there, there's a level of there's a balance to that, right? Because they're just whining for the heck of whining. Like there's a balance to that because because they can't be 25 and, and walking around whining. Things things, things are going to change, right? So um, I think as men, I think that's for myself personally, as somebody who likes to get things done. I have to learn how to exhibit patience, and I find that to be a great self improvement tool for myself in life. Because then it carries over my business, and when I'm frustrated right. in a business situation, I learn, oh, well, why don't I put myself in this person's shoes and see what they're really frustrated about? That's very helpful. That's that's great, and that's a that's a great lesson to learn too, is uh, uh, being comforting to them uh, in a time of need, um, for sure. So that's cool. Um, how how did your life change when you became a dad? Now I know uh, obviously through the through the issues that the traumatic issues that you went through when, when mm-hmm. you were first born, but. Um, how did your life overall change as you became a dad? I stopped driving fast. <laughs> that's, that's the biggest now, thing. And now you're, getting, now you're getting Mondo Man to try to slow down, right? No, exactly. That is so well said, Brian. I stopped driving fast. That is the single biggest impact on my life. I stopped driving like a bat out of hell. Like I was always in a race for fun. Um, that's my number one. Even though I took Mondo Man on his 21st birthday the other day, we went to Vegas and we raced Lamborghinis. Um, that was super cool. But if you want a great experience to do, when your son turns one, and you can do it when he's 18, on one of his birthdays, Brian, take them to, to Vegas. And then you pay for the professional driver. They drive in a Hellcat, okay? Sit on a horsepower car with a professional driver and there's cameras inside. And you feel much safer than when you drive on your own. And it's like a roller coaster ride. But you have such great respect for somebody who can maneuver a car. I mean, we're, we're, we're basically doing donuts and fishtails in between Lamborghinis and Ferraris. We passed someone driving a Ferrari sideways while drifting. Wow. It was amazing. It was amazing. It was amazing. Um, so the biggest thing is, um, you know, learning that wasn't driving fast. And two, you're not just, you don't, I think every parent has experienced this. Every parent is like, a, you know, a mildly, even mildly decent parent. But you're not just thinking about yourself. You always have this little part in your stomach that's thinking about your child, right? So there's, a, there's selfishness that kind of gets peeled away, even though you don't necessarily want to when you're younger, you know, but it gets peeled away and, and you're, you're thinking about that. So I think as a young man, those are the things that change the most. As, an, as a more mature father now, um, the things that change the most is really taking the time to mentor them all the way through, not just mentor them like, do it this way, taking the time to teach them as to why to do something. Because we all learn off of why better with reasoning. As adults, we learn better with reasoning. We don't always take the time as parents to do it. So, and it's not always fun doing it. Um, but right. giving them some reasoning uh, behind it, try to slow the world down a little bit, definitely helps quite a bit. Well, you're going to have to send me that info on the place that you guys went to because I will certainly take you up on that. But, uh, all right. I, I, will, uh, I will have my boys out there for sure. Now, when it comes to discipline, you got you got kind of a uh, like I said a wide range between your oldest and the three youngest. But how do you how do you monitor or handle the discipline side of things? Um, I'm pretty strict disciplinarian. 
you know, I grew up in eight children. I grew up a family of eight children. Okay. Okay. And so I'm seven of eight children. My parents were pretty strict disciplinarians. I discipline a little bit differently than they do. I, I have learned they're kind of, um, you can set the discipline tone by age two. Okay. And that discipline tone can be, hey, hey, stop it. We're not doing that. Right. And that discipline tone can be set. So when they're five or six, they respond to that. Um, it comes through, there's levels of consistency. Usually it has to be three or four times. The real stubborn ones will test you and make you go five or six, seven times, right? I discipline based upon number one, safety. Okay. So grabbing their attention so they don't run behind a car. Okay. Yeah. That came from experience where I actually saw a friend of mine when I was, a ch- when I was younger, his little daughter get run over by a car. And so oh this was before God. I had, yeah, and this is before I had children. And so number one, discipline off of safety. So if I say stop, then they stop, right? Which is, especially if we're outside or doing something outdoors, okay? Number two is I've learned that, and this is a hard lesson, again, uh, from a male's point of view, but reasoning with them versus disciplining them. So usually, so the discipline, let the discipline be reasoning, okay? So if you tell them how, why, and what, and then if they're not, you know, if you tell them how, why, and what, why this is the case, then a lot of times they're going to go with it. Now, there's sometimes where guys get emotional, and there's no reasoning with them. Right. Okay? They're, they're emotional, and there's zero reasoning with them. Then at that point, you have to put your foot down and say, this is how it's going to be, and then stick with it, and not let them rule the roost. Right. Okay? Not let them rule the roost. So, and by the way, this is all said of me being a dad of, like, you know, four boys. I have no right. girls. Right. So, I'm going to tell you right now, if I had a little girl... It'd be completely different. I would have no discipline. Um, I'd be home all the time having tea with her, and uh, she'd run. She'd run. She'd run all over me. You know what I mean? So I get to speak. I get to talk real tough right now. I've got four boys, but if I had a little girl, I, I would be pretty much so just um, um, the least disciplined father in the world. Right. <laughs> well, well, cool. Uh, your now, do your little ones play sports? <laughs> <laughs> um, they do. They do. So, they do. So my um, <laughs> so my nine year old, when he was five years old, went to go play soccer. Okay, yeah. and he was super into dinosaurs. Okay, <laughs> and so he's he's super into dinosaurs. He doesn't give a damn about soccer. He's out there playing dinosaurs. So he's running around the field. He's out in the field, acting like he's a, a T Rex. And he's walking up to people, running up to people and like trying to like eat them with his hand. Like, you know, the little kid will go with his hand and go, <sighs> and the kid's like, what the heck? And he's like running around like, <sighs> like you know, and there's, they have, they have them in groups of five, six and seven year olds. And they run up going like, <sighs> and like trying to eat the kids and the kids are trying to play soccer and he's not in the soccer game. So there's this little kid on the other side, you know, it's like a little Colombian kid on the other side, right? And this little kid's got like striped shirts. He's got the long hair, he's got a bandana. The kid probably had a damn tattoo, right? Scored like six goals in the halftime, right? And like all the parents on this side are like hating that little kid who scores six goals and we're down like nine to zero. And I told him, and Max is my, my nine year old who was five years old. He's a pretty fast runner. I go, Max, I go, you see that guy over there? He goes, yeah, I go, you're a velociraptor. I go, I go, he's a velociraptor. You're a T-Rex. You know what you're supposed to do? I said, go eat him. The entire time, all he did was chase him in the next half, just, 
like trying to fight this kid, like the kid's woven it's half the entire time, just was so frustrated by Max, like trying to eat him, had no clue what was going on. So I don't think he's by any means like a soccer star at this point. Um, but he, we finally put him back in the soccer and he's doing pretty good. My little guy's in the karate and my three-year-old's about to go into deep ball. My 21, yeah, my 21-year-old has a rocket on him. But again, he'd be in 6'4". He could have been, he was, a, he was a heck of a pitcher. He was a hell of a pitcher. Uh, he didn't like, we didn't like keep him in the sport and stay with it, but he has pretty damn good arm. So, but that's oh, just, cool. just basic kid activity. Nothing like really major, but right. I will tell you this much here. I'm going to tell you this much. I'm very curious. So my, so the four there, I have four children, but they have three different mothers. Okay. Which puts a real interesting strain on being a, like being a good dad. Right? right. Cause obviously I'm wasn't the best husband. So, I like how Mike Tyson says, uh, I'm like, Mike Tyson's like, I'm an okay husband. I'm a great dad, right? So, right. It's like, that's so honest. But I really put a lot of effort into being a great father, right? Really put a lot of effort into, even though I didn't stay with, like, the moms, like, treating them extremely well and trying to and being a gentleman to them and taking care of them, like, financially and, and being kind to them. I actually have really great relationships with my son's moms, right? And so one of them, not so much, but the other two great relationships. So they're like, we're really good friends. We all went to like uh, an event and a party recently, really good relationships. And so in, in all of this, God, I forgot where I was going with it originally, but, um, you know, in uh, teaching like my sons, you know, kind of the navigating through life, um, teaching how to be like respectful to like their mothers, trying to be respectful to like ladies and, and go through uh, teaching in business. My, Two youngest sons, um, their mother, her mom, their her mom's their mom's name is Whitney. Okay, their grandfather is the what they called legends of legends of motocross. So he's like a two-time world champion, and then a one-time in dirt biking, and a one-time world champion in motocross or street street racing. So they moved him from like dirt biking to street racing, which is like moving somebody from basketball to baseball. So it's like a right. three-time world champion. And their mother is an insane athlete. Though if you look at her, you'd never know. She just like the cutest little like doll on the planet. You'd never know. But she's an insane athlete, right? So I look at my little guys and we take them to go ride scooters. And what do these guys do on the riding scooters? They're doing tricks that nobody's taught them. They're sitting on the handlebars of the scooters. Oh. They're riding one leg. They're going downhill. We go down a hill. They put their foot on the brake, no hands, a steep hill. I'm going, oh, my God, I told her mom to go with me. We might need to put, have grandpa put them on some motocross because these guys have some serious balance. So I think that might be their calling. Well, <laughs> that's pretty cool. Well, that's, that's, why, that's why it became the, between the soccer story and, and the little motocross uh, uh, <laughs> Oh, guys, that's why you were laughing. I was like, okay, I said something. I said something that triggered some story. <laughs> now, Armand, uh, you're Armando, man, your little, your big guy. Uh, he's kind mm-hmm. of followed in your footsteps. Uh, mm-hmm. Clearly, we got the two uh, motorcycle, motocross uh, uh, guys coming up uh, in the younger ones. What about the mm-hmm. nine-year-old? What do you think he wants to do when he gets older? He wants to be a zookeeper. Okay. And he wants to be a zookeeper and he wants to be rich. Those are his words. I said, right. they need, I said, they need to own the zoo. Right. Exactly. Uh, right. I said, they need to own the zoo. And I, I, I tell him about the, 
gentleman from Australia. What's the, what's the one, the gentleman everyone loves who passed away with the stingray? Yeah. Um, I forgot. I love the, I love the gentleman. Mm-hmm. Croc, the crocodile hunter, right? Yeah. He said, he's very wealthy. He owned his own zoo. So you can be a zookeeper. You can help animals, love animals, but you need to own the zoo. Right? Don't just work for the zoo. And so he's really into uh, loving animals, helping animals. If he finds like an ant, like the other day he found an ant in the house, caught the ant and set it free outside. Did not kill the ant. Yeah. <laughs> I can imagine the look on his face the first time he sees a dad killing an ant. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he actually uh, caught a scorpion outside and he has a pet scorpion. And no he's, kidding. Uh, oh, yeah. He's, but he's, he's got about 12, 13 animals. And so he's a big animal guy. So. All right. Well, yeah. hopefully, hopefully they don't get loose in the house. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> well, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, what do you wish you knew before you had kids that you know now? I think I've loved the process and journey that the kids have taught me. I don't think we know how to be parents. I will tell you the greatest thing that Monoman's mom used to say was, uh, "Kids teach us how to be parents." Right. Right. And so, there's so much I didn't know before I had children. I, I really believe I just, I have loved the process of what children have taught me about being a man, right. um, about being a father. Um, it, how be, it's made me a, a better businessman, made me a better human being. And so I think um, rather than, you know, wish I knew more than, I think I'm very grateful for this long process. And you know what? Hmm. I did 21 years. And you know what? I got, an, I have another, I have another 18 in front of me you know, 15 to 18 with a three-year-old. So, you know, I'm going to be doing this till I'm 70, you know? So, right. uh, <laughs> so it's going to be fun and interesting. I'm sure I'm going to learn a lot more. Mama Man was easy. He was an easy teenager. Right. I'm really worried about the nine <laughs> to six-year-old. I'm real worried about them. Uh, so. Well, you got, don't forget the three-year-old, man. He's in the motocross, so. He is in the motocross, and he's the one who will punch the other two, even though he's really small. The other, you know, they'll come in, they're crying, going, Atlas punched me. I said, Atlas is three, you're nine, right? But, but he's a pretty tough little cookie. So. And by the way, he's as cute. I mean, everyone thinks like, the kids are cute, but he, he looks like coming off of a magazine. So he has this smile, looks so innocent, but he's mm. so tough. Yeah, it's so That's funny. Cool. That's you know. cool. That's cool. Now you have the privilege of working with your older son now, um, mm-hmm. but how do you balance the time, uh, you know, between work and, and the companies you're trying to run with your little guys? So, you know, given the, um, I, I'll tell you, you know, I, you know, I've been in business now for 19 years, so I've, I'm blessed enough to be in a space to kind of reprioritize things. So. So, for instance, I'll go pick up my little guys, and I've learned that when I'm doing the dad thing, like, no work. So, I used to do both. I used to be dad and work, dad and work. My stress levels would be through the roof because I'm not really giving either one the attention, right? So, I'm blessed enough now to, like, all right, take him to school. That's all I'm doing when I'm taking him to school. Just doing the school. We're doing songs, talking, reading, art to me, singing, whatever. Same thing when I pick him up this afternoon. This afternoon will be about us hanging out and playing. I won't do any work unless they go upstairs to go play on their own. They're doing their own thing. They'll sit down at the desk and do some work. Um, so I think it's about focused and dedicated time, whether it's to work or to the children. I am blessed that I have 
you know, a chef to help me. Um, so, but, you know, I've worked a long time to get to, the, to that, to that place. Right. right. But even then it's a conscious effort to say, you know what? Nothing else matters right now, but doing my dad thing. That's the only thing that matters right now. So it's mm-hmm. that conscious effort. So like I have them this weekend and uh, we're, we have a real estate event, um, down in Corpus Christi, Texas. Okay. Well, we're going to go down there. Um, I'm going to go speak for 30 minutes. Then the rest of the weekend, we're going to go hang out at the beach and we're going to do, we're going to do dad stuff. So this is dad weekend. I'll speak 30 minutes. The rest of the time is, is dad time. It's not work time. But when I don't have my boys, then it's really concentrated work time and not just like mess around time. That way right. I can dedicate my time to them when I'm with them. So That's cool. Yeah, conscious effort, uh, learning to separate uh, both of them for sure uh, and, and yeah. devoting the time to each one, each one when you're in that time zone. So, yeah, that's good. Now, um, advice to, for new dads or up, upcoming soon-to-be new dads, what, would, what advice would you give them? Um, number one, live in the moment. Absolutely live in the moment. Um, put the phone down. Put social media down. Those individuals will never matter as much in your life as that little person. That's all. Most of that's just ego-driven stuff. Um, what matters is focused time on that little person. They need it. They require it. Um, studies have shown that without love, babies' mortality rate goes up. Right? Infant mortality rate goes way through the roof without love. Well, giving small amounts of love um, just hurts them. So uh, put the phone down, put the TV down. Like at those times, concentrate on just that. Um, you will never regret that. That will also that will also, that will always be in a bank account uh, that will always just grow. The dividends on that focus time for that child will will pay off better than anything else in this world. So number one. Um, give them tons of focus time. And then number two, um, even when you don't feel like it, like exert patience with them. And then three, for dad, get involved. Like change the diapers. Okay. Right. I wasn't, I wasn't always great at it. But like get involved, change some diapers. I've learned that more as I've gotten the younger ones. Help make dinner. Whether if you're married, help your wife make dinner. Be involved in that. It's important for them to see it. If you're not, if you're a single dad, make dinner. Them to get them Chick-fil-A. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Get involved. Let them have that home feeling. Listen, women are great at making little guys and little girls feel at home. So make them feel at home feeling. That can be done through, you know, cooking or being there. Those are my three. Awesome. Great answer. Thank you very much for that. I want to kind of let you go. We've kind of gone a little long, but uh, I appreciate you staying on with me. What, um, I mean, you've done Flip This House, Undercover Boss, you're, you've owned several businesses. You've got a couple co- different companies right now. You've been an author, real estate investor. What's next for you this year? Um, and from a business sense, uh, we are growing to become right now with our network, the dominant uh, house flipping company and network in the country. So there is no Starbucks of real estate. Um, and this is a plan that I put together with some really bright men uh, for Harvard. From Harvard, we've been working on this for about three and a half years. And these guys have taken companies from $10 million to like $15 billion. And we've been working on uh, process launching in a month uh, to really begin our process of working with all of our students to become the Starbucks of real estate. And so the goal will be to, um, and it's going to be a very, very effective goal because we've been rolling out some tests on it extremely successfully to be able to really um, dominate 
the residential house flipping market. All over the country, or are you in a specific area? All over the country. Yeah, we're starting. We're starting in a couple of markets. Just in, as you were told, you roll out in a couple of markets, tester markets. Even though we've, we've been doing testing, so you roll it out because even though you test, you roll out into markets, and as it grows, you're testing the growth, and then to do it all around the country. Wow, yeah. that's cool. Now, where can my listeners, if they don't know who you are or want to learn more about you, where can they find you? What kind of platforms are you on? Um, that kind of sort of thing. So if they go to Instagram, it's just at Armando Montelongo, A-R-M-A-N-D-O-M-O-N-T-E-L-O-N-G-O, at Armando Montelongo. So it will be like, it'll be verified because there are some people who try to put up some fake ones. Um, and then if they go to Facebook, it's at Armando Montelongo there. And again, there, I have several of those that are ours that go with one with the blue check mark. That's where you get the most content. And on Twitter, at Montelongo. And you have a website? I do. And my website is Armando Montelongo. Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you for that. And, uh, you know, I came across you on Flip This House uh, when you were first on season two, because I watched season one, um, mm-hmm. all that. And uh, you, you're a lot of fun to watch. So. <laughs> Thank you. Are you Thank are you me. are you going to be getting back into into any more TV shows, or are you really focused on uh, this new uh, venture of uh, becoming a top company in the in the real estate industry? Well, first of all, thank you for saying that. I, I appreciate it. I, I, it's the greatest part. I think if there's anything I miss about TV, and there's not much, it's it's making people laugh. That's the best part of it, right? This is entertaining people, and making them laugh. So that's probably the only piece I miss. Um, I've been asked several times by many really really great producers to do television shows. But my focus, it's very difficult for me at least to not travel. Uh, I want to minimize the traveling because I want to be home with the kids. So my focus is to do this business venture. I'm about helping people out. I love helping people out. And so this business venture is going to help out all my students that I'm doing with. So my focus is on really being Starbucks of real estate. That's what I want to do. That's what my passion's at. And it's helping the people who are on my network because they've so many, even though there's thousands of them, so many have become really good friends of ours. Really good friends of ours. Well, cool. Well, Armando, I'm going to let you go. I uh, really appreciate you taking the time to spend with me and talking about your dad experiences. It's been an honor and a pleasure. And um, I truly appreciate that. I really do. Brian, thanks for having me. I think this dad podcast is such a great thing. Such a great thing. Thank uh, you. For dads to know, learn, and get recognized for it um, and learn from each other. So thank you for having me, Brian. I appreciate it. And thanks for having me on. Okay. Have a great day. All right. Thanks, brother. Bye. Thank you again to Armando for talking with me on Data. He is very passionate about raising his boys to be young entrepreneurs. And as you heard, he has already started instilling in them the discipline it takes to have the success he has had. He loves being a dad and spending that quality time with his boys. Armando represents the Data community very well. Please be sure to check out his Instagram page and his website if you have any interest in the house flipping business. Armando would be the man you'd want to learn from. Thank you, as always, for listening to the show. And as I said before, please subscribe. It is also so important that you share the show with others. The only way this show continues to get noticed is if you're sharing about it and talking about it. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions for guests or would like to be a guest yourself, please let me know. You can message me on my Instagram page at Coach B. Ward, or you can email me at datuptribe at gmail.com. As always, I'm your host, Brian Ward. Thank you for listening. This is Data.